Sounds great. Thank you so much, Rich. I, I really am super excited about this. And I think, you know, the authors who get invited will be excited. And it's just, it's really a neat way of, um, I don't know, just spreading, spreading the word, right? Indeed, indeed. So I appreciate all the work that you're doing in this. And I think that it will be very helpful for AMR. Oh, happy to do it. Plus, it's going to pump up my subscriber numbers. <laughs> I bet it will. the Academy of Management Review origin series, where we ask the question, where does theory come from? I'm your host, Rich McAdock. I'm a professor of management at uh, Purdue University's Cranert School of Management, and I'm also an associate editor at AMR. In this video series, I will be interviewing the authors of forthcoming AMR articles to ask them about the background uh, of where they came up with the ideas for their uh, for their theoretical contributions for their articles. Our first episode today uh, will feature uh, Sherry Thatcher, professor uh, at uh, University of South Carolina and also the editor-in-chief of Academy of Management Review. I'll be interviewing Sherry about her From the Editor essay called Intentional Inclusion of Diverse Voices and Global Perspectives at AMR. So Sherry, welcome to the Origins series, and thank you for uh, um, thank you for your support in putting this uh, Origins series initiative together. I really appreciate it. Well, thank um, you, thank you so much for for having me on and for being willing to actually do this Origins series. Um, you're such a great interviewer, and you already have an established audience, so it will be fabulous to add to that and have our authors speak on this series. Well, I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun for everyone involved. And I hope it'll be um, helpful for people to learn more about the process of, uh, of creating uh, contributions to theory in the field of management. Absolutely. So um, you have been, it has been your goal since even before you uh, uh, took the helm at AMR to, uh, to pursue a goal of intentional inclusion of diverse voices and global perspectives for the journal. So can you tell us a little bit about where that vision came from and how you developed that vision? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I don't think that I had a sense that that was where I was going to go, but it was just something that's always driven me. Um, growing up, my background, I grew up in Hawaii. I spent a number of years in Asia. I spent a number of years working with indigenous populations in Micronesia. And it just gave me a perspective, I think that enabled me to really see that people see things from so many different points of view. And so much of what we do in academia, we don't always get an opportunity to capture those different perspectives and those different points of view. And so when I was asked to take over at AMR, I was really excited about the opportunity to provide opportunities for voices or perspectives that we might not have heard from before um, and to bring them into into our language and into our, our thinking, because I think that we lose out when we don't include 
these other voices. Um, and I just want to say one other thing. I think it's really important to have that word intentional in there because I think that for many of us, we all ascribe to this idea that inclusivity is really good and we want to hear those. But unless we intentionally make these efforts and really think about where our activities are placed, then sometimes that gets lost in the day-to-day -day busyness of all the other things we're doing. Yeah, so I'm intrigued about the what you mentioned about your the personal background uh, and how your experiences in uh, the Pacific region influenced this. Uh, was there a moment where you uh, maybe had an aha experience where you saw something differently by hearing uh, how other people viewed it who, who were different than yourself in your early years? Yeah, so um, I mean, definitely one of the things that's always shaped me is I grew up on a very small island on Kauai, and I was actually one of very few um, Caucasian people. Most people were of different, of Asian or Polynesian backgrounds, and there was this sense of you don't belong here. And um, there was some discrimination against white people at the time that I was growing up. And so it made me very sensitive to the idea that people are choosing who they like and who they wanna interact with based on characteristics that are very superficial in some regards. And it was very confusing to me. And so I really, from a very young age, just kind of wanted to understand this. I did have some friends who were diverse, but I also had a lot of people who didn't like me because I was different. Mm. And I didn't understand why there were these differences. Um, so it was something that just made me think we need to have a better understanding of, of people on the inside and what they really care about um, versus kind of the, these external superficial characteristics. Okay. So, so tell me a little bit about what, what, you, um, what you have in mind in terms of intentional inclusion at AMR, what does that mean for AMR? Yeah, so when I first thought about what I wanted to do with regards to intentional inclusion, I had three general um, premises in mind. Um, one was that we would start from the, the beginning, right? And so in this sense, it's how do we get our PhD students, our young scholars, um, people who may not have been exposed to theory in the same way as people that go to great institutions often have a lot of resources that expose them to theory and theory building. But there are many others out there who don't have that exposure. So how do we bring them into our, our field and into and engage them? Um, and this is the impetus for the bridge reviewer program that we have where basically younger scholars can act as shadow reviewers and get some mentoring and get some feedback in terms of their review. Um, and this helps them hopefully become better reviewers. And then better reviewers means we get more people interested in writing and being better authors. So that was one approach. Um, a second was workshops and reaching out. Um, of course, COVID-19 put a little damper in terms of how we might do these things. But, you know, Rich, as an editorial team, we sat down and discussed what's the best way that we can really help um, people in terms of developing their ideas, and especially those who may not have, again, had access to the resources. And we thought that the way to do this is to start at the idea stage. So rather than do workshops where people are, have already completed a paper that may have many flaws or they may not have thought through things, 
um, as clearly, let's help them at the idea stage so they have a great idea, they have a great sense of how to proceed from there and that they have a much better chance of um, contributing something, whether it goes to AMR to other outlets, but it will all help in theory production from people with different voices. Um, and then the third thing is this, the outreach. Um, and one of the outreach attempts is, you know, we know that your expertise in terms of putting together this type of interview session is really valuable for reaching people um, in spatial or geographic areas that might not have access to mentorship or information about how do I write a theory paper? Where do these ideas come from? And by doing these interviews, we, we provide access to more people than we might originally have had access to. Right, that's great. And uh, uh, yeah, and I especially think that, that the idea of going, uh, doing workshops at the earlier stages is more helpful in terms of bringing in new voices, right? Because people who, uh, who may not have the experience or, or knowledge, skills, or tools, like you say, to, uh, to understand how to develop theory, <clears throat> they may not even make it to the stage of having a manuscript to talk about. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you kind of have to help those people along at an earlier stage. Absolutely. So, uh, so the you know the topic of of the the series overall is where does theory come from? Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with that in in the, in the theoretical contributions that you've made either at AMR and in your papers at AMR or elsewhere? Um, where, where has theory come from for you? Where have you gotten your ideas? So I always love this question because I think people it's so exciting to see where people um, come up with their ideas, right? And for me, it's very much in the real world. And oftentimes it'll just be some random thought in the middle of the night or while I'm driving to work or something and I'm listening to a radio program and I go, oh, that's really interesting. I haven't heard that or seen that before. And I might start digging a little and see that there's there hasn't been really discussion of this idea and the way that I'm thinking about it. I also think you know, everybody's experiences allows them to think about problems or issues a little bit differently. So you and I may have heard that same radio program and it may trigger something else for you, whereas it triggers something different for me. Um, and so I think we can come up with these ideas like where theory comes from, from anywhere. And I, I especially think something like COVID-19, right? We now are very much aware of all of the ways that it has completely disrupted work um, whether it's whether you work in a team, it's whether an organization strategy, um, how they think about their employees, the HR policies, what they need to consider, all of the theories that we've been working from or building on, I don't know, it's some of them may be thrown out the window and we need to come up with new ones. So this is a, if you, if you like to look to the phenomena for theoretical ideas, then this is a very opportune time to do so. So Take us a little bit through the, the next step in the process, right? So you hear a um, hear about some interesting phenomenon on a radio program. How do you get from that stage, or or maybe I should phrase it more more particularly, how have you gotten from that stage in a uh, in an idea to a manuscript that you're ready to submit to a to a journal? What's been the process for you? Yeah. So um, first, I think about the literature in which it's this idea or issue comes up. So 
one that recent uh, recent paper that um, I published with some um, great co-authors, we, we are looking at identity um, identification within an organization, but not necessarily, you know, what can I do to identify or how am I thinking about identification, but how do others influence me when I think about identification? And that very much came from just thinking about when I come into a, a new, when I'm when a newcomer into an organization, I'm not just, um, I don't have my own views about what I want. I'm also a receiver of information. And the first person who might interact with me has a very outsized influence on how I perceive the rest of the things going on. And I realized I didn't see that kind of argument um, in mm -hmm. the literature. There wasn't that perspective. And so what I did was I talked to a few people in the area that I knew were interested in the general topic of identification and teams. And we just, we sat down and sketched out kind of a general model, a sense for how we think the world worked um, and then started writing from there. So what are you hoping we will accomplish through this uh, AMR origin series? What would you like it to do? So I am so excited about this origin series um, because I think that it, it attracts a broader audience than we've ever attracted before because your YouTube channel already has subscribers from all over the world from management um, disciplines in various ways. And so having those people who may not have originally been engaged in AMR, not even know what AMR is, to actually start to hear what our authors have to say is really exciting, right? It can also be a form of, of leadership and mentorship by some of our top scholars that are producing an AMR. And now we get to speak to people who wanna learn, but don't really know where to go to get those learning resources. Um, I also think that it provides our authors with a platform to talk about their research, uh, again, to a broader audience and in a little bit of a more personal way. A lot of times, you know, people aren't, don't necessarily learn best by reading, and now they get to hear something and they may be able to learn better that way. And, and finally, I think just the value of storytelling we sometimes underestimate how important that storytelling is. And you're giving people the, the avenue to be able to present their stories in a way that can be very impactful. So um, okay. one of the things that the origin series also does that I think is really important or what our goal is, is to demystify the process of writing theory. I think sometimes people think of theory as something scary, right? Like I can't do it, it's too, it's too hard, it's too abstract, um, just doesn't make sense to me. And so one of the goals of this series, I think, is to, as we talk through authors, realize that you know, authors are people just like you and me, <laughs> and the way that they come up with ideas is very varied. And it's very likely that you are, will be able to, um, to really feel like one of those approaches fits with the way that you think about things and to be able to take that value. So one of the important pieces of this series, I think is to demystify the theory building, theory development process. I totally agree, I totally agree. So for the origin series, I'm just super excited about its potential uh, and very much looking forward to, to what comes out of it. Great, me too, actually. Yeah, good. <laughs> so you're now about six months into your three-year term as editor-in-chief. 
Um, so I've got really two questions about that. One is, how's it been going so far? How's it been for you? And then the second question is, you know, where do you hope to see AMR at the end of the uh, at the end of your three year term? What 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 will AMR be? How might it be different than when you uh, than before you arrived as editor in chief? So um, the first question, it's been quite a whirlwind. There, you know, I think as always, when you accept a position, you often don't know what you're getting into until you're into it. And then you realize, oh my goodness, what have I done, right? So um, there's a lot of things that I, I hadn't known, but I think in terms of what our main vision is, like publishing top-notch theory, being developmental, encouraging our authors, encouraging our reviewers and, and growing theory. I think that the team that I've put together with you on it and all of their great associate editors are doing a fantastic job. We're right on target with everything that we had hoped in terms of the numbers, in terms of the developmental reviews. The bridge reviewer program had some kinks in it at the beginning, but I think we've finally gotten it um, a very smooth process and we've had great, great, great feedback from the bridge reviewers who are very grateful for the program. So uh, it's been a busy, uh, it's been a learning experience, but it's been very rewarding and I'm very excited for the next two and a half years. So again, the second part of the question, looking forward, what do you think will be, will, will be different about AMR at the end of your term than, than it was at the beginning? Or what do you hope? Uh, what do you hope for the future of AMR? What I hope is the first that more people are aware of AMR and not just as a, oh my gosh, there's a journal that I can never publish in, but aware of AMR in the sense of this is an obtainable opportunity that I can do. And there's lots of resources that they are providing for me to help me learn. I hope that we extend and expand our um, cohort of reviewers, ad hoc reviewers, our editorial review board members who have been fantastic, um, and also our authors. I, I would love to see more names that we haven't seen before from more countries that were not used to seeing theoretical articles from, I'd like to grow that more. So what would success look to me? That we have a bigger community of people within AMR who are excited about this journal and wanting to review and publish it. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded as you talk about that um, of a great quotation from, um, from Daniel Webster. Uh, he said, there's always room at the top. And I, I think uh, it's great that AMR has an ethos of uh, we want to publish great theory from across the management field, no matter who is writing it, right? Yeah. If you have a great theoretical idea, uh, we, want to, we want to publish that no matter who you are, no matter what country you come from, no matter what management discipline you're in, no matter uh, where you trained or who you trained under, um, you know, no matter who you are demographically, uh, we we want to see that manuscript, uh, and I think that's that's a great um, uh, that's a great mission. You said it beautifully. You summed it all up. We want great theory, and whoever it is that's producing it, we want you here. And, and we want to help you along towards. And we want to help you along, right? Yes. Yes. Good. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. 
uh, really appreciate you spending the time and to launch our origin series the right way. Uh, and uh, um, for those who are watching, you know, please do subscribe to the channel uh, and click on the, uh, the bell icon to be notified when new episodes get posted. Thanks Thank again, you Sharon. very much, Rich. This was fantastic. And everybody, think about AMR as you think about your theory work. We'd love to hear from you.